Gemara Erubin has been sponsored by Mr. Isaac Jamal and his wife Celia for their success, for their children's success, health, happiness, beracha, parnasav, atzlaha, bechol maaseh yedehem. Daf Yud Tet. Today's daf has been sponsored by Mr. Eddie Barry Sit in honor of the birth of a baby girl, Hannah. May she bring a lot of nahat and pleasure to her entire family. May she be the mother, Bezat Hashem, of many healthy children. Amen. Amen. Today's daf is being studied. Amen. Today's daf is being studied. Rafael ben Miriam and Abraham ben Esther and Sarah bat Regina Malka. Hashem Amen. We are starting on top of Yud Tet. First line. Ve'amar Rabbi Yirmiya ben El-Azhar. Rabbi Yirmiya ben El-Azhar taught, Bo ur'eh, come and see. Shelo kemidat ha-kadosh baruch hu midat basar vadam. The way of God is not the way of basar vadam, the way of human beings. In what sense? The Gemara explains. Midat basar vadam. When it comes to human beings, the nature is mitchayev adam harigal malchut. If a person is obligated capital punishment, meaning the government tries him for a death sentence, matilin lo hakal tochpiv. So they put a piece of wood and they lodge it in his mouth. To keep his mouth open so he won't be able to talk. Why? In order it doesn't curse the king. Because at the time when they're giving him his death sentence, he has nothing to lose. He's going to die anyway. So what does he do? He screams about the injustice that's taking place and he uh, can curse the king. So they have to silence him in order it doesn't say anything. However, when it comes to the judgment of a Kadosh Baruch Hu, Adam mitchayev hariga lemakom. A person who is subject to one of the punishments of Beddin, is hayav hariga shotek. At the time that he meets out his punishment, the fellow accepts it and he keeps quiet. Shene'emar, as the Pasuk says, lecha dumiya tehila. The word dumiya comes from the word dom, which means a person even on death row, when he's receiving a punishment from God, he accepts it because he knows it's just. And therefore, he has no questions. And therefore, lechad dumiya, but the Gemara says, the end of the pasuk says, tehila. Tehila means a praise. Velo Not only does he keep quiet, but shemeshabayach. He praises God that he's getting the death penalty. Shene'emar, Tehla. Because the Pasuk says Tehla, which is praise. Ve'lo od Ela. Not only that, Shedome'lo ki'ilu makriv korban. 
meaning that she says that uh, his uh, death and his silence uh, and his acceptance uh, is as if he is bringing a sacrifice. Which means he compares it as as if he's bringing a sacrifice to God, meaning the pain that he's going through and the fact that he's being quiet, not complaining. Which means that the fellow says to God, I am fulfilling a vow. Just like a person fulfills a vow to bring a korban to the Beit HaMikdash, the person looks at his death and his acceptance also as if he is bringing a korban to Kadosh Baruch Hu. Now the Mefarshim explained this Gemara. The Ritba says that since the judgment of human beings can never be perfect, it's always flawed. It can never be 100% emit. As we've said, even if he's guilty, what did his wife do to deserve now to be a widow? And what did his children deserve to become orphans? So therefore, the judgment can never be 100% emit. However, when it comes to the judgment of God, the Pasuk says, Mishpete Hashem emet sadeku yahdav. The Pasuk said, Sadeku, it's Sadek, it's justice across the board. Yahdav. She's God does not meet out a punishment unless it is uh, uh, justified for everybody, all of the parties. And therefore, uh, they can, everybody can, Matzdik, can justify the judgment of God. The Maharsha explains that when a person is dying by uh, human beings, by the government, like I said, it doesn't cost them anything to curse the government. Because after he dies, they can't do anything. However, a person cannot curse HaKadosh Baruch Hu, because he knows that even after he dies, there's going to be Olam Abba. And therefore, in Olam Abba, he can get punished for cursing God at the time of his death. So therefore, he's a little more careful. The Masha also explains that when he praises God, he praises God, why? For receiving his punishment in this world, in order that he doesn't have to take away from his helik in Olam Abba. And that's the way the Mefarshim explained the prayer that we say in the Tefillah of the Yamim Nuraim. The Pasuk says, God is elevated at the time of judgment. Meaning, at the time that we see God judging His creation, He becomes exalted from the creation. God is elevated. As we see in this Gemara over here, that when you see the judgment met out, so people start to praise Borei Olam, because they see the just of it, and they also see how it's better off for them to get it here, than to get it in Olam Abba. So, God is elevated and exalted, like the Pasuk said, Furthermore, we said, it's as if the fellow himself brought a korban. So that she says his silence is like a sacrifice. But the Maharsha explains that a person that receives his onish, his punishment in this world, because of that he goes into the next world innocent and free. And therefore that is like a korban. It looks like you bring a sacrifice and you slaughter the animal instead of slaughtering the 
person, it's in lieu of the person, so too, that's a kapara. So too, his death is like a kapara that allows him to go straight to olam haba. Hence, the judgment of Borei Olam is quite different than the judgment of Basar Vadama. And the Gemara continues. Hainu de'amar bi Yoshua ben Levi. This is what the bi Yoshua ben Levi said. My dichtiv, what does it mean in the pasuk? Obere be'eme kabacha ma'yan yeshituhu. Gam berachot ya'ate more. This pasuk over here in Tehilim pedalid. Obere be'eme kabacha. Those that go or pass over in the Amekabaka in the valley, Ma'yan Yishitu, they drink from the Ma'yan, from the wellsprings, Gamberachot, and also blessings, Ya'ate More, which means they uh, receive blessings from the first rains. The first rains are called More. Like we say, Yore Umalkosh. So More is the first rains. But now the Gemara is going to give a derasha on this Pasuk. And the Gemara says, Obere elu bene adam sheovrim al resono shela kadosh baruchu. Obere is referring to transgressors. These are the people that transgress the word of God, meaning they make sins. Emek, right? It says, Obere be'emek. What is emek? Shema'amikim lahem gehinam. Those people are going to be placed in the depths of Gainam. Habacha, Bacha comes from the word Bochet to cry. Shebochinu moridin demaot kemayan shel shitin. They're going to shed tears like a wellspring, like shitin. The pasuk says gam berachot. Sorry, be'emekam mayan yeshituhu. What is the word Yeshitu? That is referring to the uh, funnels that were under the Mizbeach that were called Shitim. What were those funnels? Actually, they were receptacles placed under the Mizbeach that when they used to make Nisuchayayin, the wine would go from the corner of the Mizbeach underneath the ground into certain areas. Those areas were called Shitim. So the Pasuk is saying... There's people that are in Gehinam, they're going to shed tears, like a wellspring of the amount of wine, let's say, that is poured into the base of the Mizbeah, that is called Shitin. But they will shower blessings on the more. On the master. That even though they're in Gehinam, they justify the judgment against them. They omrim lefanav and they say in front of God, You judged correctly. You exonerated the one correctly. And you made the one guilty. You were correct. And it's correct and proper that you prepared Gehinam for the Rishaim, Gana'edin Latsadikim. And that you prepared Gana'edin for the Tzadikim. Now, 
regarding this uh, pasuk over here, Overe Again, those are the people that are over averot. They end up in the Aimek, meaning in the depths of Gehinam. And it says, Ma'yan Yeshitu. They cry. Ma'yan Yeshitu, like the uh, wellsprings of the uh, wines that are poured on the Mizbeya, and they land at the base, which is called Shitin. So the Mepharshim explained the Torah Ha'im says from the Zohar. That when a Kadosh Baruch Hu gives a person a chance to make Teshuvah, not only in this life, but he says from the Zohar that a person has the ability to make Teshuvah even after he dies in Gainam, which means when they start to torture him in the Gainam with all the suffering, he starts to scream and he starts to cry and he regrets all the sins that he did and he's mazdik tadin and he justifies the judgment. So in Gainam, these people are going to cry. And they're going to justify the judgment. And then HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to have mercy on them. And he's going to take him out of Gainam earlier as a as a stikun. And therefore this person's teshuvah is compared to the korbanot. Which means just like on a korban, they burn the animal, so here they're burning the person. However, a korban is not kasher unless it has the pourings of the ayin. So how could this person bring a korban of himself without the pouring of yayin? So his tears are considered the nesachin. And that's why the Gemara said, ma'yan yeshituhu. That's why the Gemara compares the tears <coughs> to the wine that falls to the base of the Mizbeah. So this person is a human sacrifice and his tears are indeed the Nisachim, the Nisuch, Nisuchamayim. They're the pouring of the waters onto the Mizbeah. Therefore that is the uh, Kapara. Now the fellow is going to say in Shamayim, God Yafed Danta. God you judged correctly. Yafed Zikita, you exonerated Correctly, and you made the one guilty, you were also correct. Then he says, You were just in preparing Gainam for the wicked and preparing an Eden for the Sadiqim. So the Sefer Benayahu, so the Ben Ishchai, explains, Danta is referring to, You judged me correctly by punishing me for my Averot. Yafezikita. The one that you made innocent, you were also right for. What does that mean? Because it says that when the Rasha gets punished, God takes away his chilek in, in Afghanistan and gives it to the Sadiq. And therefore, the fellow says, you were justified giving the Sadiq my chilek in Afghanistan. And then he says uh, uh, that, uh, it is... Uh, Proper that you prepared Gainam, meaning in order to have Kaparat Avonot for the Rishayim. Therefore, it is proper that you prepared Gainam. Comes the Gemara and continues. 
Kemara asks a question. Ini, we have a contradiction. ben Lakish. We have a statement of Rish Lakish. Rishaim afilu It says Rishaim the wicked, even at the entrance of Gehinam, they still are stubborn and they don't repent. As the Pasuk says, the Pasuk in Yeshaya, it says, <clears throat> And they will go out. <clears throat> and you will see <clears throat> the dead bodies <clears throat> that are sinning to me. <clears throat> means in the present. <clears throat> These are people that already were dead. And what does the Pasuk call them? Not Pash'ubi, but Pash'imbi. So the Gemara says, She'pash'u lo ne'ibar. It doesn't say that they were sinners in the past. Ela Pash'im, that they are sinners in the present. She'pash'im ve'olchim le'olam. That they are continuing to sin for eternity. So therefore, how could you tell me that what happens when a guy goes to Gainam, he starts to cry and he says, God, you were right. And he, you know, he's uh, he's uh, and he regrets. <coughs> On the contrary, here we're seeing that the Rasha, he takes it with him to Gainam. And even in the fires of Gainam, he's still considered a... Sinner, he's a Porsche for eternity. <laughs> so the Gemara says, Lakasha. It's not a question. Ha be Porsche Israel. Ha be Porsche of the Kochavim. Depends. If he's a sinner, a Porsche of Israel, when he gets the Gainam, he regrets. However, the Poshay of the Kuchavim, the Goy, he doesn't change. Which means he stays like that forever. Now there's a uh, very uh, interesting Mikhtam Eliyahu over here that's worthy to say over. Rabbi Dessler writes <coughs> that what does this mean that a person could remain a sinner even in Gehinam? Which means there are no opportunities to make sin in Gehinam. So what does it mean? He's still considered a Poshaya. So Rabbi Desla says, and this applies, he says, even to Jews, that the yearning to sin will still be with you. Which means the goal in this world is not only to overcome sin, but to overcome the want to sin. And therefore, if one does not overcome that want to sin, he's going to have that same nature where he yearns and still craves to sin. And he quotes a fantastic piece of Zohar that says that all week long, the Rishaim are in Gehinam of fire. On Shabbat, however, the Zohar says, they get transferred from the Gehinam of fire to the Gehinam of snow. Because on Shabbat it says, There's no fire on Shabbat. <laughs> however, on Motsayi Shabbat, when they turn on the furnaces again, so the Zohar says, What do Rizrish Sha'im do? 
they steal some snow from the Geinam of Moshelech in order to take it back with them to the Geinam of fire. So he shows you that Asha remains in Asha, he's still stealing. And that nature to be crooked and to be uh, you know, sly and uh, cunning still was with him. That nature is with them. And therefore he gives a very strong Musar that you have to change in nature here because otherwise that remains with the person Le'atid Lavo Gemara continues and says Mistabra says this makes sense meaning it makes sense to make a difference between Posh'e Yisrael and Posh'e of the Kochavim the Poshay Israel it's possible for them to repent. Right? They feel uh, bad when they get to Gainam. Mashiach and the Poshay Akum, that they do not change. Why? Because otherwise, if you're not going to say that, then you can have a contradiction from one statement of Rishtakish to another statement of Rishtakish. Why? <laughs> Rishtakish made the first statement that what Rishayim afilu apetoshel gehinam enam hazim mitshuva, but he made another statement that Amar Rishtakish poshay Yisrael en or gehinam sholetet bahem. He said that the poshay said the sinners of Israel, the fires of gehinam, do not overtake them; they are not sholet bahem. And he learns it from the golden Mizbeach. That's the Mizbah HaKetoret. The Mizbah HaKetoret was made out of wood, but it had a very thin plating of gold over the wood. And the Gemara says, Ma Mizbah HaZahav Shein Arab Ela Ke'ovi Dinar Zahav it only has the thickness of a dinar, which is a thin coin of gold, plating the mizbeach. Amad and still, Kotirashi, the gold never burnt, which means that thin layer of gold remained intact. The fire wasn't able to burn the gold. The sinners of Israel that are filled with mitzvot like a pomegranate, like the Pasuk says, like the, like the piece of the pomegranate, what does rakatech mean? So the Gemara says, literally means the sideburns of a person. But it says, don't read it as like the empty ones. Meaning, like the like the piece of the pomegranate. Who was like the piece of the pomegranate? You empty ones. She's even the worst guys of Israel. They still have mitzvot like a rimon. And if the fire wasn't able to burn the gold of the Mizbeach, or the more so it's not going to be able to burn through the souls of these Rishaim, because the mitzvot are going to protect them. So therefore you see the takish over here holds clearly, that even the Rishaim, the fires of Gainab, what it means, it's not sholet, it means of course they're going to go to Gainab, they're going to burn, but it's not going to consume them. 
Meaning, just like the fires did not consume the gold on the Mizbeach, even though it was constant, so too the Mizvot are going to protect the Rishayim <laughs> in order that they shouldn't get totally consumed. But what do you mean? You just told me, Rishakish, that the Rishayim, even on the footsteps of Gainam, don't make the Shubah. Now you're telling me that the fires of Gainam <laughs> don't consume them. How do you reconcile the Shakish's two statements? So the Gemara says, Ela adikhtiv. Ela, what do you have to say? Ela, you have to say that what? One is talking about the Ovre Yisrael, meaning the Ovre Yisrael, they make the Shuban, therefore the fires do not consume them. However, the Ovre Akum, so then, it says even on the Petrosh of Gehinam, they do not make the Shuban. That's the way that she learns the Sugya. Tosfot, here on the top, and also Gemara in uh, Hagiga, he learns differently. He says, just like the gold, that thin layer of gold protects the wood from burning. Because it's only covering the wood. The fire never burns the wood of the Mizbeah. So he says, so too, the Mizvot are like the gold. They're able to protect the person from burning. How do we know the Mizvot are gold? Because the Pasuk says, David HaMelech says that the Mizvot are pleasurable like gold. And therefore, just like it doesn't burn the Mizbeah, so too the Mizvot are able to protect the person. The Gemara says that Poshei Yisrael, the sinners of Israel, have mitzvot like a rimon. Why did the Gemara choose a rimon? There are many uh, uh, different types of uh, mishalim, examples, that the Gemara could have given. Why does it say that they're filled with mitzvot like a rimon? So the Yismach Moshe explains as follows. He says, if you look at the Rimon, the majority of it is psolit, which means only a little tiny part of the pomegranate is really edible. Even the fruit itself, the majority is a pit. All you have is a little juice over there from the Rimon, which means even the mitzvot, of the Rishaim, the majority of the mitzvah is psolid. Because they're doing it for ulterior motives. They're doing it for kavod. Or they're doing it for, you know, a personal agenda. Or for other reasons. So therefore the Gemara says, the mili'im mitzvot karimon. It's just like a rimon is majority waste. So too even the good that they do, the majority of the good is also not worth so much. But worth enough in order to protect them from being consumed in Gainam. The Ben Yoyada asks, how is it possible for a Rasha or the empty ones of Israel <coughs> to be filled with mitzvot like a rimon? I mean, that's a lot of mitzvot. So he explains that it's possible when you have, let's say, a popular, not religious person where a lot of people follow him, and he decides to do one good thing. So he only did one mitzvah, but since a lot of people follow him, so now others are going to take his lead. And then, well, let's say he decides to do one good thing, to go to synagogue. So now all his friends hear that he's going to synagogue, so okay, we're going to go to synagogue also. 
So now by doing one mitzvah, he's malim mitzvot kirimon, because he was able to bring many people. So that's the inyan of zikui harabim. I once saw from one of the mefarshim, based on this Gemara and the Gemara Megillah, if I'm not mistaken, it was of Haim Palachi. He asks, this Gemara sounds like it's a derogatory thing that to be filled with mitzvot like a rimun. That's the empty ones. So then he says, why on Rosh Hashanah do we take the pomegranate and we say, Yirason, Shiniyem Mili'im Mitzvot Karimun. Here this Gemara says over here, even the empty ones of Israel are filled with Mitzvot Karimun. So Rav Haim Padachi makes it the Yuk of the Gemara and says, Afilu Rekanim. Rekanim is plural, meaning if you take all the empty ones of Israel collectively, collectively they have the mitzvot of the rimon. We're praying on Rosh Hashanah that each one of us individually should have the mitzvot like a rimon. And we don't want to be like the rekanim, that you have to take all of them to get to the uh, tariyag mitzvot. We want to do it individually. In any event, the Gemara says, Elaha dikhtif. So it's, but it says in the Pasuk that what? You just told me that what? That the person that has mitzvot, so the mitzvot are going to protect them from the fires of Gehinam. But you just told me a Pasuk over there that the sin of Israel, sinners of Israel go down to the depths of Gehinam, and they cry, etc. What are you talking about? I thought you just said that they get saved. So the Gemara says, That what it says, that they go down to the valley. It says, these are referring to people that were guilty and subject to the punishment of Gehinam, Avraham Abinu umasik lehu, and Avraham Abinu, as we have a tradition, those people that go down to Gehinam, Avraham Abinu was able to redeem them. He's able to bring up his children out of Gehinam, umikabelehu, and he's able to receive them. However, the Gemara says. There is an exception. The exception is Bar mi Yisrael sheba al bat oved kochavim, and except for a Jewish man that cohabitated with a goya, such a person of Rabbeinu cannot take out of Gehinam the mashka or because what happens is, God makes it in Gehinam that his foreskin of the Milah covers the Milah. Why? Because the Maharal uh, explains in this Gemara, he says, because when the person cohabitates with the Goya, in his mind, he wishes that he did not have a big Milah. Because... <coughs> The Hana'ah of Tashmish without a Brit Milah is much greater on both sides. And therefore when he's cohabitating with a Goya, he says, I wish 
I didn't have a brit pilah, so I could have more pleasure and also the goya. So therefore, the Maral says, because he has these thoughts, Boreolam says it will happen, yes. and therefore in Gehinam, now all of a sudden he loses his milah. That the tradition is why does Abraham save all the Jews? Because he recognizes the brit milah. So once he sees the Jew has a brit milah, he says, oh, he kept the brit milah. I take him out. But if he went with a goya, so now already he forfeits. That's the chut, and the Gemara says, "Velo mebashkerle." Mebashkerle, as she says, "Enenu makiro shehu Yehudi." Abraham does not recognize that the person is Jewish. The mashkaor lato, because his foreskin now becomes drawn. Vedomelo kemiche enonimol, and now it looks like he is not circumcised. So those are the people that go down to Gehinam. <laughs> And they cannot be saved. The Mefarshim <coughs> uh, also explains, it's the Maharsha. He says that this does not only apply to somebody that actually cohabitates with a Goya, but he says, Shekol Avera Shil Znut Lo Mevashkirle Velorak Beadam Shebal Batakum. Any sin of Znut. Any sin that has to do with immorality and arayot, so already the uh, fires of Gehinam go on this person, and Abraham Abinu cannot redeem the person. Comes the Gemara and says, Matkif la Rav Kana. Rav Kana brought a question. Hashtad amar taposhim. Now that you explained the word posh, a meaning, when we quoted the pasuk above that said, they were talking about people that died already, but you said the word posh means that they're still sinning in the present, meaning they did not make teshubah. So the Gemara says, you're explaining the present tense of posh, that they're continuing to sin. If you can explain Pesukim like that, you're going to run into a problem. Why? Dekhtiv Hamotzi. The Pasuk says Hamotzi etchem eres Muslim. Hamotzi is present tense. What are you going to explain? That God's still taking us out of Egypt? Well, for that matter, the Hamale. Pasuk says Ki ani Hashem Hamale etchem eres Muslim. What does that mean? Hamale is present tense. We say God is still taking us up from Egypt. Demasik o demafiku. What are you saying? He's still taking us out. Ela deasik veapik. Ela means past. Even though it's written in present tense, it means he's the one that took us out of Egypt. And therefore, the same thing when it comes to the Shaim doesn't mean that they're going to continue their ways. The Pashreh means that they sinned previously. Just like when it says, God that takes us out of Egypt means that He took us out of Egypt. So when it says the sinner is in the present, it doesn't mean in the present. It means that they sinned in the past. So according to this opinion, that is Sha'im, at the, even the footsteps of Gainam, they do make Teshubah. And this Pashreh was only referring to what they did, not that they keep their same way in the future. Comes the Gemara and continues. Ben 
Shelosha Petachim Yesh Legehinam. There are three entrances to Gehinam. Echad ba Midbar, one in the Midbar in the desert. Vehad ba Yam, one in the ocean. Vehad Birushalayim, and one in the city of Jerusalem. The Gemara says ba Midbar. How do we know that there's an entrance to Gehinam in the Midbar? Dichtiv, because the Pasuk says, in Bamidbar actually, V'yiredu hem v'chol asher lahem chayim she'ola. That was referring to the group of Korah. Where did they enter Gehinam from? The Midbar. So they got swallowed into the ground. So there's an entrance to Gehinam in the Midbar. Bayam, Harar is an entrance in the Yam, Dikhtiv, it says by Yonah. When he got swallowed into the fish, it says, Mibetin Sheol Shivati. I called you from the depths of Sheol. Shamata Koli. Sheol is a name for Gainam, which means when he was under the waters, he was at the door of Gainam. And there was, I called you from the door of Sheol. And then we see there's an entrance also in the Yam. Birushadaim Dikhtiv. And the Pasuk says, regarding the Shaman in Yeshaya, Neum Hashem, says God, Asher Ur Lo B'Siyon, the one that has the fire in Sion, V'Tanur Lo B'Yerushalayim, and the oven in Yerushalayim. If Hashem explained that what the Pasuk is trying to tell you, these are three places on the earth. You have the Yishuv, that's where people live, that's the settlement, that's Jerusalem. You have, away from the settlement, that's the Midbar, that's the desert area. And then you have the ocean, which means you cannot escape Gehinam. Which means anywhere a person is, whether he's in the settlement, whether he's in the field, or whether he's in the water, there is an entrance for Gehinam. Betana Ishmael. And we have a Tanaic statement, the name of Rabbi Ishmael. And the Pasuk says, Asher Ur lo bitzion. We said that there's the fires in Zion, Zu Gehinam. This is referring to the Gehinam. Vetanur lo birushalayim, Zu Petashel Gehinam. This is referring to the entrance. It means the Gehinam is there, and you also have the entrance. So the Gemara says, Vetu Leka. It says, that's it. Those are the only entry points. There are two palm trees in the valley of Hinnom. There's a valley in Jerusalem called Ge-Ben-Hinnom. The valley of Ben-Hinnom. And over there, there are two palm trees. And amongst those palm trees, there is smoke that rises. Now regarding these palm trees, we learned about this in Masechet Sukkah. Meaning the palm trees that grow in a place called Hara Barzel are Kesherot. Even though they're very short palm trees, they're short Lulavim, they're Kesher. Because they grow that way. Normally the Lulav has to have a certain size. 
However, if they grow short, they're kasher. That's Sineh Hara Barzil. What was it referring to? To those palm trees in Gebein Hinnam. And the Gemara says, Vezui Pithashel Geinam. And that is also the entrance in between the palm trees. And the Mephashim explain why does Geinam have an entranceway that's paved with palm trees. Because the palm tree is a symbol of pleasure, of Hana'ah. The palm tree has the dates and the sweetness, and therefore that's its symbol. Those people that go after the pleasures of the palm trees, so they end up in Geinam. That's the symbol at the door. So the Gemara says, so you have another entrance. You told me that the three entrances are the Midbar, the Yam, and Yerushalayim. Now we have a Gebin and Nom. So the Gemara says, no, Dilma, Hainu Dirushalayim. That's the one we were referring to in Yerushalayim. When we said Jerusalem, this, this, this is it. The valley of Gebin and Nom in Yerushalayim. So it's not a fourth one. It is that place itself. Amar Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi. Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi says, Zayin Shemot Yesh Legehinam. Geinam has seven different names. The Eluhen, Sheol, the Abaddon, Uber Shahat, Ubor Shaon, the Tita Yaven, the Salmavet, the Eres Atahtit. All names of doom and destruction referring to Geinam. Now, of course, each one is a different uh, type of Geinam for different sins based on the Gemara that says there are seven names for the Yitzhara and therefore corresponding to the seven names of the Yitzhara there are seven forms of Geinam the seven names of the Yitzhara represent seven classifications of sin that the Yitzhara is able to trip a person up with and therefore Corresponding to the seven types of Yitzhara, there are also seven types of Gehinam. Furthermore, the Mephashim explained, they are connected the seven days of the week, which means each day of the week has its specific sin, and therefore there's a Gehinam representative to each day of the week. And according to one Gemara that we learned in Shabbat, the Torah has seven books. Which means We learned that one of the parashiyot is split into three parts, and therefore there's actually seven books to the Torah, and therefore one who transgresses the seven books of the Torah goes to the seven different areas of Gehinam. Now the Gemara is going to prove each name from a pasuk. Sheol, Sheol literally means. Uh, the place of death, Sheol, down below. So the Gemara says, because that's the pasuk we quoted from Yonah. Mi beten Sheol shavarti, right? It's good. Yonah says, I cried out from the belly of the Sheol, shamarta koli, and you heard me. So that's Sheol. Abaddon. Abaddon means literally Abud. Abud is the one that is annihilation, right? Destroyed. Dikhtib, as the Pasuk says in Tehilim. 
Hayisupar bakever hazdecha. Can you praise God in the grave? Imunatecha ba'abadon. In Abaddon, in that area of Geinam, are you able to praise God? Be'er Shahat, that's again the Be'er, the well of Shahat, destruction, Dikhtiv, Kilo Ta'azov Nafshi Lish'ol, God is not going to abandon my soul to Sheol, Lotiten Hasidecha Lir'ot Shahat, and He's not going to allow the Hasid to see Shahat. Be'er Sha'ad, that is Geinam. Ubor Sha'on Vetita Yavin. Those two areas. Bor Sha'on, how do they explain it? The pit of turbulent waters. And Tita Yavin is like the, uh, the area of quicksand, where you have, uh, you know, uh, tar, where you cannot uh, come out of. Dikhtiv, Vayaleni Mibor Sha'on. God, you took me out of Borshaon, Meti Tayevin. That's two of them. Vesalmavet. How do you know Salmavit is also considered? Egeinam. Salmavit literally is the shadow of death. Dichtiv. Yoshve Hoshech Vesalmavit. Those that sit in darkness and in Salmavit. Veeres Atahtit. That's the lower land, meaning the land that is below. That's Gennam. Gemara, so we don't have a pasuk for that. But Gamra Hava. We have a tradition that one of the names of Gennam is Eres Hatahtit. Comes the Gemara and says, Vetu Leka. That's it. That's all the names of Gennam. You have others. Vaika Gennam. What about Gennam itself? <laughs> Jeez, that's the most common uh, name. How can we didn't count that? Kabbalah says no. Ge she'amuka she'akol yored la al himnam. Gennam is not a name. Gennam is a description of what it is and who goes there. These are the names. Geinam literally means a valley. Ge is a valley that is low, that who goes there? Anybody that involved themselves in Hinnam. she says, what is Hinnam? Arayot. Anybody that involved themselves in immorality. So immorality is the place of uh, the valley where the people go. Ge so the Gemara says, Vaika Tifta. We have another name of Gainam called Tifta. Dikhtiv. As the Pasuk says, we call the Pasuk. This Pasuk is in Yeshaya. Kiaruch me itmul tofte. Now this is referring to a place of punishment. Tofte. Why isn't that? Counted, Kamala says, Hahu Shekola Mitpate Biyisro Yipol Sham. Again, that's a description of who goes to Gehinam, but it's not a name. Tofte literally means to be seduced or to be coaxed. Anybody that is seduced or follows his Yetzirara ends up going to Gehinam. Hence, Tofte is not a name of Gehinam. But it is a description of who ends up there. Now the Gemara ends off. Gan Eden. 
Regarding Gan Eden, Amar Eshtakish. Eshtakish comes along and says, In Be'eres Yisraelu, if the gates of Gan Eden are in Israel, Bet She'an Pitcho. The gates are going to be in the city of Bet She'an. Why are they going to be in Bet She'an? As she says, Sheperotav Metukin Mikol Eretz Yisrael. Because in Bet She'an, they have the sweetest fruit. Like Gan Eden, we know that sweet fruit. Gan Eden, garden. So therefore he says, if it's in Israel, it's going to be in Bet She'an. Ve'im Ba'araviyah. And if the gates are in Arabia, so then, Bet Garem Petcho. Then they're going to be in a place called Bet Garem, which is also a very fertile area. Ve'im Ben HaNeharotu. And if it's in between the rivers, meaning the Tigris and the Euphrates, mm-hmm. by Bavel, Dum Seknin Petcho. Then the gate is going to be in the city called <coughs> Dumseki, which obviously was a <coughs> very fertile area. Bevavel, the Gemara says, in Bevavel, Abaye Mishtakah Bepedi, Mishtabah, I'm sorry, Abaye praised the fruit, the Ma'avar Yamina Rabbah. Sorry. Mishtabah beperi de ba'abar yemina. On the right side of the Euphrates River, it seems there was fruit. So the Abayez said, the fruit that grow on the right side, those are the most praiseworthy. On the other hand, Ravah, Mishtabah beperi de harpanya. He praised the fruit of the place called Harpanya, which means these are similar to the fruits of Ganayadim. <coughs> now the Gemara goes back, out of its Agadda, back to what we learned in our Mishnah. <laughs> we learned in the Mishnah that when you have Paseh Bira'ot, Paseh Bira'ot was you have the well in the middle of the Shut Rabim. So we said that in order to allow carrying water from the board, in order to give it to the animals to drink. So there was a special leniency that the rabbis made for Olei Galim. And what was that? You make the four adjustments around the board, around the well. Those are called Pasim, or as we learned earlier, Diyumadin. Right? They're L-shaped. And therefore it is permissible... To carry. Now the Gemara said, what is the distance between each diumad? So we actually had a mahloket amongst the Tanaim. One Tana said, Rabbi Meir, ten amot, and Rabbi Yosef said, thirteen and a third amma. And then we explained that the way we came to this conclusion is if you take a group of animals. For example, a group of bakar, group of cows, let's say, right? And you tie them together. Mm-hmm. So one rabbi said you take two groups of three, mm-hmm. and one rabbi says you take two groups of four. And the Mishnah said that you tie them up, and you do not leave them untied. 
So the Gemara now says, Pshita kevan de tana le dikshurot avu. Once you're telling me in the Mishnah that you tie them up, now why would you tie them up? Because that's a narrower space. They're untied so you have more distance. By tying them up, they're closer to each other. So once the Mishnah said that you tied them up, Oh, I automatically know that they're not loose. Why does the Mishnah have to say, Keshurot velo mutarot? Isn't it obvious? If they're Keshurot, they're not mutarot. So the Gemara says, Ma'o de tema, Keshurot, Ke'en Keshurot. Aval mamash lo. So you might thought, when it says Kishro, it doesn't mean they actually have to be tied. It means just close to each other, like they're tied up. Kamash Ma'alan, and therefore it's coming to say, Velo Mutarot. No, not that they look like they're tied up. They actually have to be tied up, and not lose. So therefore it's in actuality. Kamsa Gemaran says, Ahat Nechneset, the achat yotzet. We said one going in and one going out. Now what did this mean? One cow, one cow facing in and one cow facing out. Kabbalah says no. Tana rabka nechneset verabka yotzet. It means the group. You have two groups of three, let's say, right? So one group is going in, head into the. Uh, to the area, and the other is head out, not each cow, one on one. It is the groups itself. Look at the picture just to remind yourself. In 126, it is narrower as a result because you could fit more cows in a smaller area as a result of having half of them going in and half of them going out. Comes the Gemara and continues. We learned in our Mishnah what is the minimum amount of space that one is allowed to uh, place around the board. Which means you want to put your Diyumadin close. How close, meaning your narrowest parameter, how much is it? So the Gemara said, enough that the majority of the animal will be within, its head and the majority will be within the Diyumadin, in order that he can drink. But if it's not that wide, then already it's a surkos. We're concerned that you might go beyond the borders and end up carrying into the shoot harabim. Now we have to give the measurements. What is the measurements? So the Gebarah says, What is the rosh verov? What is the measurement of the cow? So the says, Shte amot. So the maximum, that's what it is, it is two amot. So therefore you have to give enough space of two amot for the animal to be from the well, take two amot back, that's where you can put your diyumad. Which is from your diyumad to the well, you have to have at least two amot, the amount of space for the cow to get in. Mm -hmm. Now the Gemara says, 
What is the standard thickness of a cow that we're talking about in our Mishnah? Ama Vishneshilishi Ama. One and two thirds Ama. And the Gemara now explains. Shehen Kaesir. The Vred Bimir. She said, Koi Tribimir, you had six cows. Six cows that have the width of one and two thirds. So six times one and two thirds is how much? Ten. So therefore the Gemara says, Shehen Kaesir. It's like ten. But the Gemara is going to ask, why did he say like ten? It is actually ten. Where did the Bimir get his Shi'ur? That between one diumad and another diumad is ten, because he learned it's talking about the width of six cows, and since each cow was one and two third, it comes out to ten. So the Gemara is going why you say kaisa? Now the Rebbe Bimir, the Biuda Omer, Kishlosh Sreama Ucharba Sreama, meaning he says like thirteen, like fourteen. Why? Because to him you had eight cows. Right, so what's eight cows or eight times one and two thirds? Thirteen and a third. So the Gemara says the Shi'ud of Rabbi Yehuda. Sorry, earlier I said Rabbi Yosef, but it's Rabbi Yehuda. He holds what? Like thirteen, like fourteen. What does that mean? Like thirteen, like fourteen. We have to see what that terminology means. So the Gemara analyzes. Kareser, Rabbi Meir, why just say like ten? It's ten, just say it's ten. Six times one and two thirds. So the Gemara says, Mishum sefa. Since in Rabbi Yudah's measurements we say, Kishlosh Isre, like thirteen, like fourteen. So therefore in the first decree we also said like ten. We could have said ten. We want to keep it consistent. Since Rabbi Yudah used the terminology like 13, like 14, so he also said like that, but it is indeed 10. So the Gemara says, Kishloshisre, like 13? What does that mean, like 13? It's more than 13. Why do you say like 13? It's 13 and a third, really. So the Gemara says, Mishum mitne because since he was going to say like 14, so he said like 13, like 14. So the Gemara says, It's not close to 14. 13 and the third is nothing not close to 14. So the Gemara says, papa. He, What he meant to say is, That's when he said like 13, like 14, he meant a little more than 13, less than 14. Oh, it's a complicated way of saying something. Uh, simple. Amara Papa, Nara Papa says, Adin, Bebor Shemona. Let's analyze. Let's say the bor has a width of eight. Okay, the width of the bor is eight. So the Gemara says, De Kule Alma Lo Pelige. There is no argument. The peshutim. You don't need peshutim. Let's review. You remember we learned early in the Mishnah that sometimes when you have a large distance between one diumar and the other, 
in order to break it up, you put a board in between. If you remember in picture number 125, mm-hmm. yeah, you see we had a big distance between the two medians, so you put a pashut, right? So the Gemara is telling you over here, mm-hmm. if you have a board that's eight wide, according to all opinions, whether you hold your lot to have ten amot, or whether you hold your lot to have thirteen and a third, a board of eight, you will not need an adjustment of a pashut. Let's explain why. If the board is eight, exactly eight, now you're going to need two amot additionally on each side. Why? In order for the cow to have its space, right? Because we know that the actual distance, the width of the board is eight. Now you need from the from the of the border two amot this side. Two amot that side. So that is 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. So you have 12, correct? Mm. Now, your diumad goes in an amah on each side. Correct? The L shape takes one amah off each side. So how much do you have left between? 10. So therefore, according to nobody, you need an adjustment. Because even according to the bimi'ir that says... The maximum distance is 10 amot. You have 10 amot. Therefore, there's no need to put a pashut in the middle in order to separate it because you're going to have exactly 10. So when it comes to a board of 8, no adjustment <coughs> in between necessary. We continue. Bebor stem esre vekul alma lo peligi debainan peshutim. On a board of 12, there is no argument that everybody's going to say you need a pashut. How? Because if the board itself is 12, you can need an additional two on each side to fit the animal. So that's 16 minus two because the diumad juts out an ama on each side. So you're going to have 14. Now certainly according to the bimi'ir, you're four over. So you need a pashut somewhere to split it up. And even according to the biyudah, it says it's 13 and a third, you're still over. You're two-thirds over. And therefore you're also going to need a pashut. So when it's 12, everybody also needs a pashut. So where's the argument? The Mahalogan obviously is between 8 and 12. Because you're above 10. However, let it be Yudah. But according to the Bimi, you don't need, because from 8 to 12, you're still less than 13 and a third. So now this was Rab Papa's Hidush. So the Gemara says, The Rab Papa, my Kamash Ma'alan. Rab Papa, what were you teaching me over here? Tanina, wasn't that our Braita? Didn't we open up with the Braita that said, According to the Bimi'ir, 10. According to the Rabbi Uda, 13 and a third. So what are you telling me? And you're giving me then uh, basic uh, calculations over here. We know this on the Braita. The Papa, Braita lo Shamiyale. The Papa didn't hear this Braita. And therefore, the Kamashwalan ke Braita. Therefore, he's teaching you the Dina the Braita. If he heard the Braita, of course he wouldn't have said anything. He didn't know this Braita. So then we were just giving you the of the Braita itself. 
comes the Gemara and continues and says, here the Gemara actually gives a siman. There's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six simanim over here that are being given that refer to six different questions that the Gemara is now going to ask regarding the law of Paseh Bira'ot. Each word represents another question that is going to be asked. <laughs> and the Gemara says, Ba'amine Abaye Meraba. Abaye is the question to Rabah. He'erich bidiyumadim kishi'ur peshutim l'rabimeir mahu. What did you do over here? Which means, let's say you had more than ten amot. From one diyumad to another diyumad. So according to Rabimeir, you need a pashut in the middle, right? So the Gemara says, let's say you didn't put a Pashut. Could you extend the yumad? Could you make the yumad a little longer? So now already, bottom line, you still have ten amot in between. Does it have to be a pashut, or could you extend the yumad? That is the question. The shayla is based on, because it's not so recognizable like a pashut. The pashut stands on its own. It's more recognizable than just extending the the yumad. So again, what I want to know is that okay? Look at that she. You extended, let's say, an amah on each side. Mm-hmm. Until it gave you the distance that you need in between. Maybe only pishutim work. Because once you went over ten... Then you need a recognizable, you know, hekir, an adjustment in the middle. You're not going to help you to extend your dumadim. You're going to have to move away from the pass a little. You know what that should be recognizable. Do we say bottom line, you have 10 now in between? What do I care? How you cut the uh, amor off? Amar le, so Rabbah answers Abaye Tanituha. It's actually a brighter. And what does the brighter say? Actually, it's uh, our Mishnah. It's our Mishnah. Ubilvad Shiyarbe Bepasim. It says, so long as you add with the Pasim. Now, the fact that the Mishnah's language said, add with the Pasim, it's not with the Pasim that are already there, extend them. Mm. Understand the language? Be Pasim. As long as you extend with the Pasim, the Pas can also is the Diyuman, it's called the Pas. Mm. So therefore, what does it mean? Gemara, my love, the Ma'arik B'Diyumadim. It means that you're extending the Diyumad. Gemara says, no. The Mafish, the Avid Peshutim. No, I'll tell you, it means when you're making separate adjustments called Peshutim. Gemara asks, Iyach, if that's the case, Hayu B'Lvad Shiyarbe Pepasim. Why did it say the word that you should extend the Pasim, with the Pasim? It should say, 
Take away the bet and say you should add the passim, implying that they weren't there yet. Yeah. You're not extending on stuff that was there. Bet passim is mashma with the passim that are there already. Passim is mashma what? New ones. Gemara says, Okay, so learn it like that. Learn it, when, even though it says Be Pasim, but learn it as if it says which means you can get away even with the word to explain it to mean meaning not to extend the Deyubad, but to put a separate one there. That's one way of learning. There was another version of learning this. Amale Rabat Holdem Tanituha. We learned this in the Mishnah. Right, so long as you add with the Pasim. My love de Mafish Ve'avid Peshutin. This version says that he learned the word Bepasim, meaning that you add separate ones, Peshutin. So the Gemara says, Lo. Why are you learning like that? The contrary. It's more mashma that you're adding to the Yumar itself. It makes sense that when we dictate you will not be bepasim. So according to this version, that's what you're doing. That's the proof. You're allowed to add the do you matter. According to the first version, it was inconclusive. According to the second version, no. Bepasim means with the pasim you have already, and therefore you can indeed extend the pasim. Now we get to the second question. Ba'amine abaye manaba. Yoter mishlosh esre amma vishlish. Let it be According to the Yehuda, it said your maximum distance between each diyumad is 13 and a third amma. Ma'u, how do you adjust it? Peshutin avid, do you have to make peshutin, or bidiumadin ma'arich, or according to him, maybe it's enough just to add the diumadin, which means the peshutin was really said in Rabbi Meir Shita. If you go back to the Mishnah, in Rabbi Meir they discussed peshutin. So maybe only for the Bimi'ir, but maybe in the, in the Bihuda, you're allowed to extend the, um, the Yumadin. Because after all, the Bihuda is already lenient. He lets you go 13 and a third. So maybe also lets you extend the, the Yumad. Let's read Rashi. The Bihuda. The law it karpishutim. By him it wasn't mentioned, the adjustment of Peshutim. He adifale. According to him, what is better? Peshutin adifale, umru hakim mina diyumadin yud gimala male, me vekera beni beni, velosagi marakad diyumadim, oh, harakad diyumadim adifa, telolate avira daigisau daigisau batela, which means could be when you have it in the middle, that little board, the airspace on both sides would be able to knock out the pass, the middle piece, and therefore maybe it's better to put it. In the diyumad, it extends the wall instead of having it uh, surrounded by airspace. So Gemara says that question, Amar le 
Tani Tuha. We learned it in our Mishnah as well. If you remember in the Mishnah, we asked the question, what's the minimum area that the Diyumadim can cover? Right? The minimum amount. Right? We said the length of a para, which we learned tonight is to Amot. Then the Gemarashna's next question was, what's the maximum distance you could have for these diumadim? Uh, so the Gemara says, Afilu Kur, Afilu Kurayim, meaning unlimited. You could have a tremendous amount. Came Rabbi Yudaomer, Bet Satayim Mutad, Yoter mi Bet Satayim Asur. Rabbi Yudaomer came along in the Mishnah said, no, 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 maximum amount. For the Diyumadim is Betzatayim. As we explained in last today's daf, Betzatayim is 5,000 square amah. So the Gemara says, Amru lo Rabbi Yehuda. So they came along into the Yehuda and they said, Where are you getting 5,000 amah over here? The law of 5,000 amah was not set in this case over here. bidir. Deer, we said, is the pens. Mm-hmm. They used to pen their animals in in order to fertilize the fields. Vesahar, mm-hmm. <coughs> also is a pen where they used to keep their animals. Umukseh, that was the backyard where they used to use for storage. Vahaseh, that's the front yard. Afidu bat hameshet kurim, vafidu bat asara kurim, shemutar. Which means... The rule is, so long as you're penning it or fencing it for residency or for the usage of a person to use for dwellers, so there is no restriction. You can, well, you can fence it as much as you want. Which means the law of a karpef shelohu kafledira. That means if you have an area that you fence it not for dwelling purposes, then you have betzea. The maximum you can fence is <coughs> 5,000 square amot. Anything more than that, the Achimim gave it a deed of a karmelit, and you're not going to be allowed to carry. So he was coming along, and they were telling the people that, what are you talking about? This is for human, human benefit. The guy's going in to feed his animals over here. Why shouldn't you allow him to even put the deal, Madim, as far as you want? You don't agree? But in the case of the deal, in the case of the sad, in the case of the muqseh, in the case of the hatzer, that you can make walls... As far as you want away, but you don't hold to the law of a karpef. That's who kafledira. You can go as far as you want. So why over here, Rabbi Yehuda, you're being so strict? <laughs> why are you saying over here that you can only make these diumadin up to betzatayim? Amar lahen. Here we get the answer. In our Mishnah, we didn't get the response. Now we're getting the response of Rabbi Yehuda. Amar lahen. Zu mehitza ve'elu pasin. So there's a big difference. He said, when did I allow you to make walls, unlimited amount, if it's for residency? That's when you're making walls. When you're making walls, I have no problem. However, e'elu pasin. What are you making over here? You're not making walls. You're making adjustments here. You're making these L-shaped brackets. Here, it's worse. 
And therefore, here I'm only going to give you a maximum of bits at time. I don't care if you're using it for residency. Which means I agree to you in the other cases. The Fa'od there you had regular walls. But here you just have a pass. Oh, so based on this conversation, we're going to try to answer our question. Gebra says, Vimita. <laughs> If you're going to tell me that you could extend your diyumad, right? If you tell me according to Rabbi Yehuda, if you have more than 13 and a third, you're able to extend your diyumad. So the Gemara says, Which is in truth, it really should be called a mehitza. Why did he call it a Pass, which means when it's just an amma this way and an amma that way, that you call it a pass. But if you could add more amma to each side, then it would be called a mehitza. From the fact that he calls it a pass implies that you don't add and extend to those items. Those items remain as they are, and you just put adjustments in between. That she, that she says. Ve'elu pasinen Uben kol echad ve'echad Shelosh esle amot Right? In each, between each one You have 13 and change amot Ve'en omed ela Pas ama ben kol Shelosh esle ve'shelosh esle Which you just have this pass In between each 13 Alma l'rabi Yehuda Peshutin habid It seems according to the Yehuda You're putting Peshutim, you're putting these boards when you have more than 13. Why? The ibdiyumadim ma'ari, because if you're going to add to the umadim, ha-mehitsahi, then already you would be considered a wall, because you're making it longer on this side and longer. It's only called the pass when, when it's the L shape. And amma is called a pass. Anything longer than that, you call already a mehitsa. So once the Buddha comes along and says, hey, the only reason why I'm strict over here is because this is a pass, and that's a mehitza. Implied that a pass remains a pass, meaning you don't extend it. Mm-hmm. That's the answer. So the Gemara says, no. This is what he meant to tell him. Zu torat Which means... When you're making the other walls around, let's say, the Deer and the Sahar and the Muqseh and all these other cases. So, these walls over here, we treat them as regular walls. And the Pritzot of a regular wall is what? Ten Amot. Once you have more than ten Amot breach, it's a breach and it breaks your wall. The Elu Torat Pasim Alehem. But these walls, they're walls. But they have the status of a pass. Which means, even if you extend them, you can extend them. And really you can treat them and call them a mechitza. But bottom line, halachically, they're not mechitzot. Because halachically, if they were mechitzot, then the breach amount should only be 10. From the fact that we gave you 13 and a third shows us what? That you're treating these walls like Pasim. And therefore they're more uh, they're more lenient. So that if you have no proof, I can tell you really you do extend the pass. But the reason why I called it a pass is he was trying to say this mehitza has a deen of a pass. 
and therefore you get 13 and a third, and you're not limited to the pizza of 10. So that answers that question. Meaning, you can add according to the biuda to the diumad itself. Third question. Abaye asked the question to Rabah. Tell Amitlaket Asara Mitoch Arba. You have a tail. Look at our pictures. And a few pictures on this daf. That's number 128. You have a mound. The mound uh, inclines upwards up to 10 tefahim high. But the incline is four amot. So at the four amot point going up, it reaches ten tefahim. Okay, that is called a tail, a mound. Hamitlaket. Literally, that is gathering ten tefahim within four. What's the question regarding this tail, hamitlaket? Exactly. Nidon mishum diyumad. Could you use this as one of your corners? Mm-hmm. Meaning if you have this item, you have three diumadim as you see in your picture around the well, mm-hmm. and on the fourth side you have this item over here. This telemetlaket. Is that considered an adjustment or not? Okay. Now, let's read Rashi. Telemetlaket, second line. Yutifahim. Metok dalir amot. Tail mishupa. It's a, it's a tail, a sloping mound. Abal midrono zakuf, kodim shi mashech dalir amot ale, vinitlaket kovol yutifahim. It slopes up gradually, till at the four amot point it reaches ten. The Kaimalam Bazurek we learned the Masakat Shabbat, the Lanyan Shabbat Habi Rishuta Yahid. This telemetlakit is considered a Rishuta Yahid, a private domain. Hachamai. We want to know what about here? Ikaebim kom ehad minad yumadin. If it's standing in place of one of the yumadin, miyavekid yumad olo. Now, Ulaachin akat mitok dalid. If it was more flat, let's say, and it didn't have that sharp incline, that's considered just ground. Ground that's a little bumpy, a little high. To consider it in a shuti it has to be this. Uh, configuration, this measurement. In any event, they want to know for Shabbat is Shuti Yahid. So technically, if I put this item on the side, trying to make it a Shuti Yahid in this area, yeah. so maybe this item works as a legitimate Diyumad. So comes the Gemara and says, Amarle, he answers him, Tanituha. <laughs> we learnt it in the Mishnah. What does it say? The Bishimon bin Al Azar Omer. The Bishra'om bin Azar taught, Hayta sham even merubat. Let's say you had even merubat. You had a square stone as one of your, the <coughs> Yumadim. You see that in 129? Mm-hmm. 
see on in the left corner there, you have an Evan Merubat. Ro'in kol she'ilu tehalek. You look at it, if you have enough space in the square stone to carve it out, and you'll have an amah this way, an amah that way, you can make the L shape within the stone, mm-hmm. you don't have to do it. It has to be potentially able to do it, able, capable to do it. Nidon mishum diyumad. So then it counts as a diyumad. Vim lav, eno yidon mishum diyumad. Now, that's one shita, that you can use a square stone. Rabbi Yishmael ibn Asubi Alam bin Ukaomer, Haitasham ibn Agula. Let's say you had a round stone. That's in also the same picture, 129, right side. Okay? So here, if you have a round stone, it's a little more tricky. Because you need to do two things. Number one, Ru'in kol she'ilu tehakek. Meaning when it comes to the round one, first you have to square it, and then after you square it, then you have to see if you have enough for a diyumad. In the square it's one step, you just have to see if you could just chisel out the diyumad. Uh, In the round, First you have to imagine that it is squared because you need straight walls, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to square it first, and then after you square it, if you're able to make a diumat out of it, it is okay. Mm-hmm. What's the ma'lokan over here? One rabbi says only a square, and one rabbi says you can even use a round. Mor sabar hadroin amrinan, treroin lo amrinan. One rabbi says, you're only allowed to use one we consider, or one we see. Meaning, you imagine that the square item is cut out. That's one. But you can't say two. Because the two you have to say that you squared it and then you actually cut it out. That's two things. Umor sabar. And the other rabbi says, no. Afilu treroin name amrina. Good. And therefore, uh, the Gemara wants to say that if you could use these items over here, so the Tela Mitlaket should also be valid for a uh, Diyumad. You don't, need, you don't only need Diyumadin, obviously, that's the point. You could get away with other items. One out of the four, or all four could be? No, no, one out of the four. One out of it seems at this point we only see one out of the four. We didn't see further than that. Did he shouldn't even discuss more one out of the four? But I only see one out of the four. Even according to Hadroin? Even according to Hadroin. Yeah. Because you do the point of this Gemara is you see you don't need regular Diyumadin. You can get away with other items. In this case over here, uh, even would be for one quarter be enough. Look at um Gemara further. Next question. Okay, now you have on one of the corners, you have reeds. Okay, that's picture number 130. On the right side, you see your L-shaped diyumad is made out of reeds. Where they're just standing next to each other, poles this way and then coming... To the other direction, right? Mm-hmm. The north side, and let's say the uh, west side, mm-hmm. whatever. Hitzat kanim. 
Kane Kane Pachot Mishlosha. So long as they're within three tefachim of each other, each read, nidon mishum diyumad. Treat it like a diyumad, it's like a wall. And therefore it's lavud. Or lav. That's the question actually. Do you say it's legitimate or not? What's the question over here? So, um, Rashi. Actually, Rashi just tells us, The question over here is, because it's only a vertical which means we learned earlier that vertical that just standing straight that's called the mm-hmm. so the question is when you have these vertical poles over here is that considered a legitimate wall well that was we said maybe it can only be lenient on such cases for a shayara in the field you want to make walls like that but is it considered legitimate for the pasib we have the answer to this also What's the answer? Hayasham ilan. Let's say you had a tree. See on the picture there? One of the sides you had a tree. Or gader. Or you had a fence. That's the regular diyumad. That's the fence side. Regular diyumad. Or hitzat kanim. Or you had the wall of reeds. Nidon mishum diyumad. Clearly it says it counts. My love. What are we talking about? And must be we talk about similar case over there with the within three to five of each other. And the Mishnah clearly says it's good. Gemara says lo good good rita de kane. We're not talking about kanim that are next to each other. We're talking about gurdita. Look at the picture over there. Uh-huh. We have a bundle over there where they're all next to each other. Now the look at the way that she explains it. That she says, mm-hmm. meaning you see they're all attached. They're attached to the bottom of the tree. Mm-hmm. Now they only detach on top. That's all different. Since they're attached to the bottom, so it's all considered one. It's not considered separate. Pieces, even though they do come detached on the top, but they're all attached on the bottom. So the Gemara says, "Hainu ilan." So what's the difference? That's not a tree. What's a tree? A tree is attached to put the, the, the bark on the bottom, the trunk, and it comes uh, on top. You have the branches. So why do I need two cases? So the Gemara says, "Ve'elamaya." So what do you want to tell me? Kane, kane, pachot mishtosha. You want to tell me it's back to that case over there where you have the kanim next to each other within three to fa'im? Hainu gader. Gemara says that's similar to the case of a fence of a gader, which means once you're saying it's lavud within three, so bottom line it's like a wall. So what's the between the case of hitzat kanim and a gader? So the Gemara says elamai itlach lememar. So what do you want to tell me? Tre gavne gader. That you're going to tell me what? That there's two types of gader. Which means you're going to tell me there's the regular gader. And then you got the gader of the poles of Lavu. They give you two styles of gader. So once you're telling me that, I could tell you that really was talking about a gordita. And we can tell you the Gordita and the Ilan. It's giving you two versions of a tree. You have the regular tree. And then you got the Gordita. So the Gemara says, Ika de Amri. We have a different version of the same piece. 
Gurdita Dekane Kame Bayele. The Gabbara's question was originally under Gurdita. Is that a legitimate adjustment? So the Gabbara says, Gurdita Dekane Mai. Amar le tanitua we learnt it. Hayasham geder o ilan o hitzat kanim nidonu should be umad. My love, what is hitzat kanim? Gurdita de kane. Kavra says lo kane kane pachot mishlosha. Still mad the kanim that are next to each other. Iache hainu geder veela mai. So what do you want to say? Gurdita de kane hainu ilan. That's a tree. Ela mai itlach lememad. So what are you going to tell me? Ilan. So you're gonna tell me there's two different types of trees. So I can tell you there's two types of gadera. Therefore, according to this version, it is permissible to use a kane of reeds that are next to each other within three. So why did it say kane and gadir? Two types. You have the attached version, and you have the separate version. According to the first version of the Gemara, the Gemara did not give a conclusive proof. According to the Ika Amri, a kanin that are within three to five of each other, indeed are okay for the adjustment of the Yumad. Baruch Anuwa Le'olam.